ओम ज्ञानतिमिरंधस्यानंजनशलाकया This afternoon, I was discussing with Shanta Mataji, who was sitting here at the back, who is a spent her life as a welfare worker in this area, and I was telling her about the. uselessness of mundane welfare work as we have heard from our acharyas some of the points discussed a further acharyas means from propan he's the representative of all the acharyas but especially because i was i researched on bhakti siddhant saraswar takur so he said the same thing <laughs> Shila Prabhupada gave the example of rescuing the shirt of a drowning man. Someone is, claims himself to have done great work because he saved the shirt of a drowning man. Or an example I gave Mataji is that uh, someone's driving a car; he's going, he's heading for a crash. He's feeling a little uncomfortable. Adjust the seat and adjust the air conditioning. Ah, now very comfortable. And just heading for a crash. Two minutes later, they're going to crash, but everything very comfortable and very nice. So, we're all heading toward death. And in the meantime, we try to make everything very comfortable. Or she was asking, "Well, shouldn't we try to help the dukey?" But then everyone is dukey. You think that? Think that these people, oh, these people, these are suki. They're living in a nice bungalow, but they also have to suffer birth, death, old age, and disease. They also have to suffer cancer, blood pressure, this heart problems. Everyone has diseases, and then there's family problems, anxiety from so many anxieties. Is their business going to go on? Or they may lose their job. This, that, and the other. So many anxieties. Everyone is suffering. Why do we designate some people as duki? Everyone is duki. So the idea we're we're helping the duki—that's it's nonsense. If we think that just by making some little adjustment, uh, we're we're helping them. So the real only the real help is to give people knowledge of Krishna. So the. the The other day, also, just a few days ago, I was speaking with a devotee who was quite shocked. He'd been to a meeting of some of our ISKCON leaders, and he was quite shocked that one of them was uh, telling about how in Andhra Pradesh during the flood they'd been distributing biscuits and bread, which is, after all, kami food. If someone doesn't have any food, it's uh, I guess they'll be happy to get it. Although what usually happens, like in this tsunami, and that uh, by the time our devotees get there to distribute food, the people they're throwing away food because there's so many people go there to distribute food. They're not interested. They say, "Come on, the other people are giving. You're just giving us some vegetarian food. The other people gave us nice meat and all this stuff." So he was anyway. This devotee was a little shocked because he was saying that. Well, we read 
in the science of self-realization, it was at that time it was the drought relief fund, and now it's the flood relief fund. And it, it might seem quite shocking, the letter that Prabhupada had his secretary at that time, Tamal Krishna Maharaj, draft. There was a letter from the Andhra Pradesh Drought Relief Fund saying that the position of the people is pathetic, there's no food to eat, and people are starving, and we're sure your international organization can help. And Prabhupada wrote a letter and said, you can't help anyone. All these things, they, they come about just bec because people are sinful. And uh, there's, there's one problem is followed by another. He said, rather you should help. Instead of asking us to give funds and manpower, you give funds and manpower to help spread Krishna consciousness. That's the only real solution. So, that, seem, that seems rather, it might seem rather heartless. You know, people are, people are hungry and you can help them. We can arrange to help them. But Prabhupada's point was that, well, yeah, everyone's suffering one way or the other, and you can, you can help in one way, but then they'll suffer in another way. J just like uh, this matter just, and there's someone, you know, their, their husband. I, I was at first of all, I said, well, are you, are you actually helping them? Because there's so many people... They may be coming, their husband is beating them, or in some case the wife, you don't hear about it so much, but the wives beat the husband also. But they don't, the men don't like to say because they feel ashamed, but I've seen it personally. And some devotees have also told me that their wife, one devotee told me, I was, it may sound horrible to say, but these are the realities of the life in this miserable material world. One devotee told me, my wife beats me viciously all the time. He was really suffering. He said, I, I'm, I'm a black belt in something or other, I can't remember. <laughs> he said, I can, I can beat her up easily, but I don't want to do that. He said, why is it so like that? So these things are going on. So, so I, I said to her, so can you, are you able to stop people doing that? He said, well, sometimes they reduce it, that's all. So very good help. That the wife is being beaten ten times a week and now nine times a week. Very good. Great help. So, it may seem heartless that we, 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 we're against mundane welfare work. Of course, Srila Prabhupada wasn't totally against. Um, in Mayapur, he, he had the uh, ISKCON food relief, that people should come to the temple and take prasadam. Then they'll go for darshan also. So he wasn't wholly against this. But in general, he spoke against this. And also, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati also. He spoke against this. Now, why should that be? Actually, I made a note about this. It just came up this afternoon. I'd already made some notes about this. I mean, this is the kind of topic that comes up again and again. So we should understand these topics because generally generally people praise very much oh it's very you see the Ram Krishna mission they're doing such good work they're feeding the poor and communists very good idea isn't it you see you give the wealth to everyone equally sounds very good doesn't it right why should one person exploit another I remember reading as as a kid this uh a story, like a comical story of 
one young boy and then his elder brother was a student the young boy was maybe 10 11 years old his elder brother was a student he was giving lectures about communism and we should share the wealth equally and everyone sh no one should have more than others and then uh, so this young boy he took the camera of his brother which in those age in those days was a very fancy thing just like you might remember maybe you're too young for that to remember there was a time when to have a cell phone was like very prestigious does anyone remember that not from the students maybe you'd have been too young for that maybe there was a time when to yes you show it in front of yes my cell phone and uh, it was a very big thing nowadays it's everyone's got one it's just a disturbance I'm more intelligent. I never had one. <laughs> I could understand. It's just a just just it's more of a disturbance than a, than a turn off your cell phones. By the way, that's generally disturbs programs all the time. The cell phones are going off. So uh, yeah, so this boy he took his brother's camera and he was playing around with it and he wrecked it and then the elder brother. Looking for his, where's my camera? Where's my camera? And I, Did you see my camera? Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, I took it. And he said, wow, what are you doing? And he took the camera back and it was totally, and what are you doing? He said, well, you know, in your lecture you said, every, you know, no one should have more than others and you should share everything. That was the end of his communism. So, it sounds good, but it doesn't work. I, I say to this Mataji, there's so many examples of, we have ideas that we think will solve problems. But it doesn't work. Just like during the government of Indira Gandhi, she made the, the old system coming down from thousands of years is that when a when a man dies, the eldest son inherits the property. But she made it that everyone, sons, daughters, they all inherit. So the system was the elder, the younger brothers, they cooperate with and serve the elder brother. And the elder brother looks, he takes responsibility, and then they all live together as a joint family. That was the end of the joint family, and then there's so much, it was, it was very badly affected agriculture also, because the plots became small, smaller and smaller. And uh, then their families are all fighting between each other, and it seemed like a good idea, be fair to all, but the actual result was not good. And then... Uh, Then in uh, in America at one point they they were seeing you see now there's there's a f there's some young girls and they have children and they're not married and you know it's really tough for the children and the government the government should give them some financial aid and that will help them and they couldn't imagine, but the result of that was the number of girls unmarried with children just boomed. Because then thought, what's the problem? You don't need a husband. The government gives us money, so the taxpayers have to pay, and it becomes a big social problem. So it, many times it seems like we're helping people, but what's the help, actually? Mother Teresa is lauded as the great welfare worker. She'd pick people off the streets who were dying and put them in her home. So they lived all their life on the street and then they die in her home. Very helpful. <laughs>
And if they get better and they don't die, then they throw them out on the street again. And give them some meat to eat to make sure they go to hell. And she was a meat eater. So we don't consider her very saintly. So this, she had the idea to help people, but because of lack of knowledge, she couldn't help. Actually, Srila Prabhupada gave the... One example Prabhupada gave was saving the shirt. If someone is drowning and someone swims out and catches their shirt and brings back the shirt, then what's the use? So in the same way, if... Uh, If someone simply aids the body but doesn't aid the soul, then there's no actual help. Another example, in Haridwar, this was in July 1977, this was practically Prabhupada's last public preaching. It was just darshans he had. It wasn't any big arranged program, but people were coming. Prabhupada was speaking very strongly against materialistic society, as he always did, actually. Mostly Prabhupada would speak, if you listen to Prabhupada's preachings, most of the time, all the time, speaking very strongly against the misleading ideas of modern society, isn't it? You all listen to Prabhupada's lectures, conversations, especially in his conversations. Just all the time talking about the mundane society and how they're so much misled and misleading. So he was speaking very strongly, and one uh, woman said, uh, "Why? Well, why are you so?" She practically was saying, "Why are you so nasty? Why aren't you compassionate?" And Prabhupada said, "Your compassion is like blowing on boils. Said, be nice, be nice, be very good. Smile <laughs> while everyone's going to hell. Blowing on boil. The boil is there. There's a very slight sense of relief. Who's had a boil?" Anyone had boils? You know, well, lucky for you. I had plenty <laughs> due to my sinfulness. So it's very painful. And if you, if you blow on it, then it may be a very slight sense of relief. But the, the thing you have to do is when it's ready, you go to the doctor and they cut it with a knife, which... The, they may put anesthetic, but you can't really properly anesthetize it. Is that the right word? Did I say it? It's a tough word. You, can, you can't... How can you inject? Because it's all the whole area is swollen. In, one, in England, once they gave me dry ice. They don't use that in India. It's carbon dioxide ice. So, But still, it's painful. But that's that's what you have to do. Then all the pus comes out, and you dress it, and you have to take it. Pain is required to remove the pain. That's the point that Prabhupada was making. So um, it may seem that by well, yeah, criticizing this mundane welfare work, and why don't you don't you want to help others? Actually, the Vaishnav, the very nature of a Vaishnav is that he wants to help others. And the idea to help others that people have that is good, but because they're not Vaishnavs, then everything that unless and until one inquires into the actual nature of reality, 
then everything one does will simply be parabhava, I mean defeat. It won't be successful. It won't it won't there won't actually be any good in it. Nate vidu hi vishnu because people are on the external platform, they don't know that their real interest is to serve Vishnu, then uh, they're simply bewildered and everything results in frustration. So the idea to be good and help others, well, that's good. But if we maintain envy of Krishna, then we remain bewildered and we can't know how to help others. So, the Vaishnav is the actually only compassionate person. And he knows what it means to help others. The, we see that Srila Prabhupada, the ideal Vaishnav, he worked tirelessly to help others. He left Vrindavan to help others by giving them knowledge of Krishna consciousness. Without giving this knowledge, that help is not help. It's as Lord Krishna says to Arjuna, Ashochanan Vasochas Twang Pragyavadangs Chabhasase Gadasun Nagatasun Swacha Nanushochanti Panditaha. They seem very harsh words. You are lamenting for that which is not worthy of grief. You're lamenting for the body. Those who are wise, they lament neither for the living nor the dead. They don't lament for the body. Now, of course, the physical body is the vessel by which we experience happiness and distress. And actually, in this material world, it's all distress. That's the point. This whole material world is dukhalayam. It is the place of distress. So the idea that we will help the dukhis, uh, first of all, everyone's dukhi. That should be understood. It's not that someone who has more money is not... Not dookie. Everyone is dookie. Everyone is suffering. Uh, yeah, and that's it. That's the point. That you, you can't stop distress. As long as we're in this mature world, there is distress. And whatever you do, you you can't stop that. And there are so many problems. As I was saying, someone may you may you may uh, try to convince their husband not to beat them so much, but still they have so many problems and ultimately everyone has to suffer birth, death, old age and disease. So, really helping means to bring plat people to the platform of knowledge. Without that, it's blowing on a boil or saving the shirt. It's of no actual help whatsoever. Now, it, this appears to be heartless because we're in Maya. We're living in this world and we take this world to be reality. And it seems to us that we're helping others. There's another example of help which turned out to be useless. The, the much-lauded Green Revolution that all over the world and in India also by using hybrid plants and fertilizers and pesticides, the yield of food was much increased and India, which was uh, always up to the 1970s, was always in danger of famine, 
due to not enough grain. They started producing enough grains and it seemed like very good. But now, uh, after it seemed very good for a short time, this is the very nature of material life. Something seems good for a short time. But now we find that the uh, the yields are going down, the, the, the soil is spoiled, and apart from that, so many people are getting cancer. In, in India, now people didn't used to get cancer. It was very rare. Now it's very common. Who knows someone who's had cancer? Anyone had cancer? Oh, yeah, Rasik Shekhar, he's had cancer. Yeah. Yeah, who knows someone who's had cancer or who has cancer? I know so many people. You don't know? I guess if you travel around like me, you get to know so many people. I could probably, if I think about it, in five minutes I could tell you the name of 20 or 30 people I know who've had or had cancer or already passed on. So uh, that's uh, that. one of the causes of that is the... Uh, there are so many causes. Uh, one cause is eating food full of poison, which is pretty much all the food we, that we eat. Breathing poison, drinking poison, either the, either the tap water or the bottled water. Yesterday, in Surat, one lady is coming to me. And she, her head was wrapped up with a cloth. Chemotherapy, I guess, right? Chemotherapy is the common treatment for cancer. So, I was told, so many women are getting cancer, and especially women. They get so one of the causes of that they don't have children. They use contraceptives. These are all causes of cancer. So uh, yeah, so it seemed like. Uh, the Green Revolution was a great success, but in the end, you see, the, the soil is spoiled, and these uh, these hybrid um, plants, crops, they you have to, they're just they they're not producing like they used to produce. You have to throw in more and more chemicals and get more and more poison, and still it doesn't work, and the soil is spoiled more and more. It's a total disaster. Now the whole world is they. Our great prediction wallers, they say that the whole world is heading for famine, hunger crisis. They thought they science has conquered nature, but no, it appeared to be like that. So it seems that they're doing something good, but they're not doing good. Even, even on the mundane platform, even on the platform that they operate on, what, they, what seems to be good is not good. And what to speak on the spiritual platform? From the spiritual platform, we understand that by giving the idea that we can actually significantly help people on the mundane platform, that's actually one form of violence because it gives more importance to the mundane platform and uh, obfuscates, you don't know that word, it means uh, makes unclear, serves to make unclear the actual reality that there is no happiness without surrendering to Krishna. So it's actually a violence against human society to propose that we can help others without giving them Krishna consciousness. That we can be, the idea that we can be happy in the material world. We'll just adjust something a little, just a little adjustment. You just adjust this a little bit and adjust that a little bit. And we're doing more scientific research so we can get free from the different diseases. And of course, material nature is very expert in providing more and more diseases. There was no AIDS. Now there's a, hundreds of thousands of people are dying all over the world from AIDS. They were predicting it would happen. Now it's happening and they just, no one's 
protesting or it's just going on. Who knows anyone who's HIV, they don't talk about it much, I guess. Anyone who's died from AIDS. Again, I know. There are not so many as cancer, but I guess it's a social stigma even to know anyone who's had AIDS because it's mostly homosexuals, drug addicts like this. So, uh, yeah, in, in, in it. In one sense, it's, uh, it's violence to even propose that we can help others. It gives the idea that we, we help others on the mundane platform because it, uh, it gives the idea that, we, well, actually we can be happy in this material world and I can help someone. I, I, I'm in a position to help. But the helper also needs help. The helpers also suffering from birth, death, old age and disease. The helpers also in the illusion of thinking this material world is a happy place. Just like, uh, here's, here's a funny one. Funny, I guess it wasn't so funny for the Afghani people who were bombed when the Americans first went in there. They bombed the whole place and after that they dropped food packets. <laughs> with American style food which the Afghani people don't like anyway. If any of you are still alive, then here you are. We we love you. <laughs> just see the hypocrisy. I just uh, saw something from Prabhupada. He was say he was suggesting that one reason they they were prolonging the Vietnam War, all the hippies were against it, and he suggested one reason they kept the Vietnam War going is because they wanted to kill all the hippies. They're useless people. They don't do any work. They don't want to work. So send them to the armies, force them to go to Vietnam, and then they'll all get killed. That was Prabhupada's one suggestion. I must have read it before, but I didn't. I just yesterday I saw that also. So with this conviction, we should preach Krishna consciousness. So many times people... Well, they used to say to us, well, why aren't you feeding the poor and opening hospitals and schools? And we used to say that. Or people used to say, I won't give money for a temple, but if you open a hospital, I'll give money. Because they have their own idea of, of what is helping others. But we should know for sure that uh, giving people the opportunity to take to Krishna consciousness is far more valuable aid than anything else. As Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, the neophyte devotees ringing the bell in the temple during the arati is unlimitedly more valuable both spiritually and materially than opening millions of hospitals or schools or food distribution centers or whatever. How is that? Ding, ding, ding. How does that help anyone? Krishna is pleased. <laughs> and opening hospitals and schools, and it doesn't actually help anyone. It is of no intrinsic worth. Bhagavad Bhakti Hinasya Jati Shastra Chapastapa Apranasya Dehasya Mandanam Lokaranjanam This example is given that whatever 
whatever is considered valuable and worthwhile in human society, high birth, learning in Shastra, <laughs> austerity, japa, chanting mantras. If there's no bhakti, then it's all simply like the decoration on a dead body. If you see, you might walk in a, say there's a long room, and you enter from one side, and the other side, someone is sitting, and they're dressed in a very nice suit and tie, and very, the hair is very nice, and you can see they have rings on their fingers, and say, oh, very respectable person, looks very nice. You go a little closer, you see it's a dead body. It's grotesque. This example is given in Shastra. It's grotesque. It, it's so uh, incongruent. The dead body is something horrible. And the nice decoration is something very nice. So why should you decorate something which is... It should be burned. It should be discarded. It's, uh, it's, uh, not only does it serve no value, but it's, uh, seems to be a very bizarre thing to do. Why would anyone do that? So like that, to, to attempt to m make look nice something which is intrinsically not nice, it's, uh, the whole endeavor is misdirected from the very beginning. Now it may be said that, well, we'll do welfare work and add Krishna consciousness to that. Then people will appreciate it. And, yeah, in Mayapur, Prabhupada had that... Uh, what was that? It was called Iskon Food Relief. And then later, after Srila Prabhupada's passing away, this, what was it called? Food for Life was invented. So Prabhupada had people that they can come to Mayapur and take prasadam. Schools, Prabhupada wanted, yeah, teaching Krishna consciousness. He was quite clear. We, we, we are not going to teach the government syllabus. It's right there in his letters. Andhra Pradesh Drought Relief Committee totally refused them. may seem heartless, but no, Prabhupada was the most uh, heartful person. But he knew actually how to help people. He didn't want to cooperate with people. He didn't want to cooperate with people's illusions. He want to increase the illusion, just like this uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says about mundane education. Anitta shangshare moha janamya. It gives it gives rise to more illusion in this temporary world. And jivke kariye gartha makes the jiva into an ass. So, 
<clears throat> the idea that we can we'll do some uh, welfare work which is more or less on the bodily platform and at the same time ask people to chant Hare Krishna or we will chant Hare Krishna well we can do that but it wasn't Srila Prabhupada's program Srila Prabhupada's program was to make an overall solution to the problems by making a revolution in human society by, by giving people a whole different way of thinking as I was telling this lady if you if you've been used to being praised by others throughout your life for your welfare work and people like you and they think you're very but if you actually preach the truth of Krishna consciousness that everything is useless without Krishna then uh, most probably you won't be popular and the people who formerly praised you will rebuke you and say the Krishna she used to be good but now she's spoiled that's what they said about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu he used to be good, and then when he came back from Gaya, you see he was good, he was a scholar and like this, and when he came back, he's just become crazy. So, if we actually speak the truth, then we can expect people won't like it. And Srila Prabhupada, he, uh, in one purport, he says that, that if people don't if people are against this movement, that's one sign that we're doing the right thing. Because if we speak the truth, then people... Such boleto mare lati. Jut jagat mohai. Srila Prabhupada quoted this. If you speak the truth, they'll beat you or kick you. And if you, if you talk all nonsense and tell lies, people like it. So, all the great archers, Ramanuja, the, the king wanted to kill him. His disciple Kuresh, who looked like him, went in his place. Bhaktisiddhan Saswari Thakur himself, people came to kill him. Again, the same thing, his one disciple who looked like him took his cloth. And Bhaktisiddhan Saswari Thakur escaped from that attack. Prabhupada himself, in Mayapur, our temple was attacked by the local Muslims at the behest of the Communist Party and Prabhupada said he heard the report that they were running around looking in the building they said they were looking for me they wanted to find me and finish me off he had that idea like that so it can be a heartless a, a, a thankless task preaching is a thankless task if we're actually going to say what is the reality? But those who are sincere will appreciate. The uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur himself said, at the expense of all my mats, if I can make one person Krishna conscious, then I'll consider my mission successful. Because actually to surrender to Krishna, to fully accept the message of Krishna, Savadhaman Parityaja Mamekam Sharanam Raja. It's from the materialistic perspective, it's a very heavy thing. Who is your father? Who is your mother? Who is your friend? Everything, all these relationships are 
completely useless. Of course, there is sadharan dharma. I was also saying to Mataji that they're opening uh, vrid ashrams for old people. I was telling her, actually, by doing this, you're encouraging people to throw out their parents. The real dharma is to, you should teach the young people to look after their parents. They should do that. We're not saying that everyone should be... All right, so our only real relationship is with Krishna, so should, we should reject everyone and everything else. It's not necessarily like that. There may be cases. Ramanuja himself left his, as a young man, left his wife for her offense to his guru. Raghavendra Swami, he left his young wife to take sannyas, and she committed suicide afterwards. So people may... Nimai Pandit left his young wife and elderly mother, widow. So people blame. But then look at the great benefit he did for human society by doing so. So that is required. Sannyas is required for everyone. Uh, it may not be formal acceptance of sannyas, but that spirit is required. Krishna told Arjuna to Savadhaman Parityaja, but then we see that Arjuna remained as a Grihastha for many years, even while being fully surrendered to Krishna. But the, uh, the, the, the point of giving up all our mundane conceptions, even while we live in this world, the uh, mundane conceptions to give them up and fully surrender to Krishna. It's actually a very heavy proposition. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has mercifully made that very much easier for us by the chanting of Hare Krishna. He doesn't ask us that you immediately surrender, but at some point we have to come to that point. And we see, again, talking about Arjuna, he, uh, he remained as a Grihastha, he remained as a Grihasta sannyasi, anashrita karma palang, karyang karma karote yaha, sasanyasi, chayogi cha, naniragnya nirakriya. He remained, as Lord Krishna says, one who performs his prescribed duty as he's obligated without being attached to sense enjoyment. He is an actual yogi and a sannyasi, not he who lights no fire and performs no work. But eventually Arjuna also following Yudhishthira and Bhima, then when, they, when Yudhishthira learned that Krishna has departed, he just left. He didn't even tell anyone. He didn't t All his life he had been with his brothers, they had supported him, he just left. Didn't tell. Didn't say anything to his wives, just left. Then Bhima said, oh, Yudhishthira is gone. He just left also. And Arjuna said, they've gone? Okay, I'm going too. He's left. So, uh, that attitude uh, has to be... How, how are they able to do that? It means internally they weren't attached. Otherwise you can't just all of a sudden leave everything. So in every status of life, one may be performing various duties in this world... But internally one should be, internally and externally also, one should be uh, cultivating renunciation from this world. 
cultivating attachment to Krishna and detachment from this material world. But uh, one cannot become fully detached from this world, which means one cannot become fully attached to Krishna unless one clearly understands that we have no actual relationship within, with anything in this world. So, just like that, if uh, yeah, there may be hungry people, we may give them prasadam, like that, we may do that. But at the same time, we have to understand that uh, everyone in this world is suffering because of envy of Krishna. And we can, uh, we can truly help them by giving them knowledge of Krishna, knowledge of their relationship with Krishna, the, the, ulti the overwhelming necessity to take up our relationship with Krishna that we should understand and try to make others understand also. Otherwise, blowing on boils is not helpful. Rather, it's a disturbance. So, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, "I'll help. I'll help. I'm very good at blowing." <laughs> it doesn't help. So it might seem that we're helping, but the seeming that we're helping is not actual help. Okay, that's one point of the many points that Srila Prabhupada instructed us in. And you would see, yesterday I was listening to two conversations, one after the other. Prabhupada was, in both of them, the same point, making, why don't these rascals understand that the body and the soul are different? Is simply rascals. That why can't they understand? The body of a young child dies, and why doesn't it grow? It's obvious. The soul is because of the absence of the soul. Actually, in the first conversation, I was listening to Prabhupada say, "What's the, these people? They're such rascals. They'll never understand. It's not even any use to try to make them understand." He was saying. In that conversation, he was saying. But in the next conversation, he was you know, making the same point, and obviously he wanted the person who was listening to understand. So, so on one hand, he was saying, "It's these these people—they're such rascals." They're, well, there are some who are, are just like they're they're committed rascals. They're they're grihavrata. They've made a they have made a vow that we will not be Krishna conscious in any circumstances. In no way we're in no way we're going to surrender to Krishna. Either by our own effort or anyone else's effort, we're committed to enjoying our senses and going to hell. Re recently, I read part of this. Uh, there's a book which is famous at the present time, Richard Dawkins, King of the Atheists of the Western World, The God Delusion. 
So he fits that description very nicely. He's, he talks about religion being dogmatic. He himself is totally dogmatic. He says natural selection is the perfect, uh, perfect explanation for how everything is existing. But the rascal, why, why this whole uh, intelligent design movement has come up? Because so many scientists have seen that natural selection is not. It's insufficient to explain. He just says it's natural selection is the perfect explanation. He doesn't explain why. He doesn't explain why so many scientists, having examined it all, find it uh, inca incapable of describing the complexity of life. And he totally avoids the whole point of why should chemicals want to, they say, survival of the fittest. Why should a bunch of chemicals want to survive anyway? Where does motivation come from? Why Why should an animal want and want to eat? It has a, why should a bunch of chemicals want to ingest more chemicals so that the chemicals can survive in that form for some time? So, simply a rascal, that's all. What can you say? There's... We should reply to such people, but maybe not directly, because... I mean, we can't expect such rascals to change their mentality. Unfortunately, they're influencing others, so we should preach, as Prabhupada was preaching. Actually, we find that Srila Prabhupada spoke a lot more about the material world than about the spiritual world. Interesting. Just like Prabhupada himself noted that we see in the Bhagavatam it's described there's a lot more description of Krishna killing demons than there is of him dancing with the gopis. Prabhupada noted that. Because Krishna, anyway, he's dancing with the gopis. What does he come to the material world for? So that paritranaya sadhunam vinashayata dushkritam. So in the same way, here in this material world, Prabhupada came to deliver us to the spiritual world. But uh, to get to the spiritual world, we had to be free from the misconceptions of this material world. And people are very deeply caught in the, in the misconceptions. Even many people who... This Bhaktisiddhant Saraswati, you'll see... He, a lot of his fighting was with people who are devotees, supposed to be devotees. But because of their misconceptions, he rejected them as, as not being proper devotees. And so many misconceptions. So, Bhakti Siddhanta is required. Clear understanding of what is our relationship with Krishna. And there are so many misunderstandings because we desire to enjoy this material world. So we, we're very expert. The conditioned soul is very expert at taking Shastra and mixing it all up and coming out with one plus one equals three. Uh, coming out with the wrong... Everything looks nice and then everything comes out with, with the wrong... And they can, they'll prove it I, I, at, at school when... 
our mathematics teacher took us through a whole big long equation, one step, another step, another step, another step, another step, then cancelled out everything on both sides and ended up one equals zero. So we were trying, we were looking at a huge long thing on the board. What happened? The first line is right, okay. The last line is not okay. So what happened? Somewhere there, well, he deliberately inserted an error which we couldn't catch. And that at one point it was, there was something cancelling out something else. So it became zero and we did any, I can't remember the whole thing, but he was able to trick us anyway. So we couldn't find it out. So like that, the materialists, everything they say looks very good, very nice, but the result is wrong. We're infatuated by this material world. So yes, we should be attracted to the spiritual world, but we should also know the perils of this material world and of material consciousness. The material consciousness of thinking that there is anything of any value beside Krishna and surrendering to Krishna. So, Hare Krishna, I'm over time now. I'm supposed to be having another program, one one after another. Questions, comments, protests. Now is the time. In many, of course, you're all devotees, so you're all listening very politely. But... Uh, in another group, if it wasn't all devotees, they might, the protest might have already come. Especially in the Western world. People who come to religious discourses in India, even if they may not agree, they're usually quite polite. So, that is the value of your culture. That's something good there. Of course... Again, the, the culture itself, without proper knowledge, can be very misleading. Just like at the present time, due to some TV serial, Sai Baba, so this Shirdi Sai Baba has become so popular. So it's the same culture, Hindu culture, but so much, the, the emphasis is so much wrong. Yesterday in Surat, I saw... This, uh, on the back of some auto rickshaw, there's a picture of this Sai Baba, and they always make him look like, you know, like he's, I don't know, how do you describe this? Some kind of vague smile, which is supposed to be some kind of cosmic benevolence or something. And then, and then there's a picture right next to that of baby Krishna. So I guess the implication is that, well, if you're worshipping Sai Baba, you're actually worshipping Krishna because it's all the same. They really got it mixed up. We really need to, to preach very strongly and clearly, otherwise people will come and they'll join and they'll chant Hare Krishna, but they've got so many misconceptions. It's really painful. And there's so much cheating also. You see, here I am going on again. So much cheating. This, uh, this one rascal who is from Maharashtra, but very prominent. He's very prominent in Gujarat in the villages. This uh, Pandurang Shastri. Now he died, and his influence has gone down. But he, he, because people are inclined to Krishna, he preached about Krishna, Yogeshwar, he would call. But then they'd preach that uh, 
Krishna actually see they they would preach bhakti but then they say Krishna has actually come from the impersonal Brahman there's no such person as Radharani it's all just imagination <coughs> actually completely demons envious of Krishna but people it seems like bhakti and and they're trapped they be, they become offensive to Krishna they think they're coming to bhakti see how cheating how how much these people are cheating Thank you very much for the wonderful class. That's all. <coughs> you have a question. Okay. Uh, my question is the basis, in fact, the basis of this philosophy. The basis of this philosophy. I'm just repeating, so everyone can hear. Um, I like the substance of this philosophy, like no intoxication, no meat eating, no gambling, no illicit sex, and all the other things. You like no meat eating, no gambling, no intoxication, no illicit sex. Well, I, you're saying it's the base of this philosophy. No, it's not the basis. No. Yeah. You're so much involved in these materialistic things that sometimes you wonder. There are so many souls. There's. There's an infinite number of souls in the universe. Yeah. And that, um, why is it that every soul should or does at the end love Krishna only and be happy? Uh, sorry, I didn't exactly understand the last part. Why does every soul, if he wants to be completely happy? If every soul wants to be completely happy, why is it that they have to love Krishna? Because that's their constitutional position. Everyone is by nature connected to Krishna. Krishna is the center of everything. Everyone's by nature servant of Krishna. So it's just like a fish. Probably here in Goa, if you go down to the beach, you see the fishermen, is it? So you see the fish flapping in the nets. And you may think, well, but the fish, you have to put it in the water. If the water, if the fish is going to be satisfied, he has to be in the water. There's no, there's no way a fish can be satisfied out of the water, because that's the medium that fish live in. So, in the same way, the soul is by nature, its constitutional nature, is to be with Krishna. So whatever else we do to try to make us happy without being situated in our constitutional position, it's not possible. If you give the fish, you know, here, here you are, we'll give you an AC room and pl plenty of food and the most beautiful female fish you can imagine, nice fins and shiny scales and goes... most enchantingly opens and closes its fish mouth. The fish cannot be satisfied. We have a constitutional position in relationship with Krishna. That is our constitutional position. If we're in that situation, then we're fully satisfied. If we're not, there's nothing else we do that can make us happy. It's not possible. And you see, look at, look at the whole material world. 
Look at the history. No one studies history. Everyone studies engineering, genetic engineering, all things which get you money. History doesn't get you money. But if we study the history of the world, it's a history of suffering. What to speak of history, even the news. Only suffering, that's the main news, right? If you say someone is very happy, that's not news. Or maybe someone's happy, they won a race or something. There's a race, 20 people in the race, and they show the people, person who's happy, he won. But then 19 people are unhappy, because they didn't win it. The one who's happy, next time he loses, and he becomes unhappy. The one, even the good news... Someone won the race, he also has to suffer birth, death, old age and disease. There's not a single living being in the whole history of the universe who's ever been happy. And even if they feel that they're happy, still they have to suffer birth, death, old age and disease. Kim Sukham Martya Dhaminam, this is stated in Bhagavatam. Where is the happiness in the world of death? Just like if you're sentenced to death, tomorrow morning you're going to be shot dead. Okay, so this evening you just tell us what you'd like to eat. We'll arrange whatever you like to eat. Apart from human flesh, anything else you like, we'll arrange it for you. So will you have a good appetite? Oh, tomorrow I'm going to get shot. Okay. It won't even get time to come out the other end. It'll still be in, in the intestines. So where's the happiness in the in in the, in the place where we have to suffer? Suffering is intrinsic. This is not pessimism, this is realism. And the optimism is that we are to live with Krishna. We are by nature full of bliss in in relationship with Krishna, but that is in relationship with Krishna, not in any other way. It's just a fact you have to accept. You can't change it. There are certain laws of reality. You can't change a law that... The laws of nature, just like you might like to eat. Someone likes to eat sweets. Okay, but if you eat... Okay, someone brings you three kilos of sweets and you eat it all at one go. Then you're going to suffer. That's the law. That's the law of nature. You can't avoid it. Okay, so I'll start Hindi class now. Yeah, give me two capfuls of this. We can take measures to try to alleviate the suffering to some extent, just like I'm now.